This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Thanks for sticking through a lot of that. There's a lot of things, so, so it's okay to forget anything. This is what we're all here for. Um, so tonight we're going to do uh, what's called reflection time a little bit, mainly kind of how are you coming into the project. Take, we've, we dove into Walmart a little bit and we're starting to get a little feel of the rhythms of the project, even though we haven't had like a long business yet. Um, but I hope you're starting to get the taste for it. And we just want to take a moment to pause, kind of assess where we're at, reflect a little bit, so be intentional as we continue to dive through. Um, so as a reminder, if you don't know yet, I'm Ariana. Um, I graduated from the University of Minnesota. Um, I've been on staff in the Minneapolis region for eight-ish years now, and I still come to project. This is my tenth project, ages me a little bit. Um, but I still come to project with a mixture of excitement, nerves, um, anticipation exhaustion, overwhelmingness, a lot of those things. And so for this being my 10th year, and I still do that, I can imagine everyone in this room has a mixture and somewhere in that spectrum of emotions. So maybe this is your second or third project, and this is, feels like a pretty familiar environment for you. Maybe on the other end of the spectrum, this is your first time ever in rural inland South Carolina, and this is all very familiar and overwhelming to you. Maybe um, you're really excited and have some expected nerves, but primarily excited. Maybe you're primarily nervous and don't even feel like you can be excited about because you're so overwhelmed. Maybe you're really happy and excited about people on your team and in your room. And like, oh, all these people I'm really excited about and my friends on my team. Maybe on the other end, you're like, oh, I don't really love my room yet or my team yet. Um, that was where I was at, and I did some really sweet friendships with the girls in my room by the end of the summer, so give each other a chance. Um, and then the main spectrum I'm going to dive into is the realm of which you're coming in spiritually. So maybe some of you have been walking with the Lord for years and um, love Him and are treasuring Him and are excited to continue to know Him. Um, maybe you're not, like would even say, I don't know that I even believe in Jesus, and I'm still questioning things about Him. And I just want you to hear from us and from me from the front that it is okay, no matter where you are on the spectrum of excitement, familiarity, nerves, and especially wherever you are in the scene of knowing Jesus. Like that's what this is for. And that's what our main purpose and all the things that we're doing is your personal sorry, do what? Your personal growth in discovering Jesus and enjoying you know, That's the main thing we want for you. So in all the fun that you're going to have, in all of your time of working at Walmart, and even things like group days, um, those happen, those are really fun, but even in those things and through those things, our goal and everything we've tried to design down here is that you would grow in personally discovering him, knowing him, and hopefully thus then treasure him. So, um, there are two things that I think will really help foster the knowing him and treasuring him. The first is that you guys would be honest with yourselves. So I'm not going to assume, because you came down here this summer, 
that you love or treasure Jesus. As you heard in my testimony a couple nights ago, I would probably said that I did until I got down here and saw sin in my heart for the first time and realized I don't actually know him that well or treasure him that well. I have a lot of head knowledge, but definitely no heart experience and love for him. So I don't, I'm not going to assume that about you guys. And I really don't want you to assume that about yourself either. Second Corinthians 13.5 says to examine yourselves to see whether you're ready to faith. And so Paul is saying, don't assume. Like, be the most suspect of yourself um, to really examine whether or not you're in faith. And even the Greek philosopher Socrates says the unexamined life is not worth living. So it's, it's important that we examine our life and that we suspect our life enough to examine whether or not we're in faith. So I want that for you guys wanting to be honest with yourself. But I also want you to be honest with others. I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with Harry Potter. Um, if you are at some level, you probably know who the Dursley family is. Um, but they know there is a magical world out there that they refuse to admit. It. And they will do anything to cover it up. They will lie, they will excuse all these weird things away because they cannot admit to themselves or to each other, that the magic is real. And if you're familiar with the story, the Dursleys are like the most miserable characters in the entire story. And it's because of that they will not let themselves be taken over by the beauty of this magic realm. So I don't want that for you guys. Like I, there truly is, first of all, this is extremely spiritually magical, what we believe in. Like the creator of all things made little creatures and became one, that's magical, first of all. And then that creature, God man, creature, creator, was seemingly defeated by death. But actually, that was the means by which he defeated death by being risen again. That's spiritually magical. Like the world orbits this hot, burning sun at the perfect distance that if it was any closer to a burning, if it was any further, it would freeze. Like, Everything around us is amazingly magical, and especially spiritually, in God saying and offering, now that I have conquered death, even though it looked like I was conquered by it, I'm now even saying, you can have it, my little creatures, and then I will put myself in you and spread you around the world so that the world can see me, and then you can come to the kingdom. That's crazy. Like, that's spiritually magical. And so... I don't want either, and that truth is happening, whether or not we admit it. So we can be like the Pharisees and try to excuse it all the way and stay blind to it and be miserable forever until death. Or we can be given into it, grasped into it for eternity and let it change our lives. And that's what I want for you guys. So um, I think one excuse that can happen with the being honest with each other is the fear of not wanting to be a burden somebody else. And we all feel that, and I feel that a lot. Um, but I, for me especially, I know it's an excuse for me to keep things to myself and to just be self-reliant um, and not ask for help. Did you know that it's actually biblical to share your things? Galatians 6, 2 says, bear in one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, when you're feeling like, oh, I really don't want to be a burden, remember, it's okay to be a burden and to share in that. And it's biblical to lean into each other's burdens as you're wrestling through things about manager this way. So beware of the temptation to be self-reliant and lean into sharing with each other. 
So this summer, as you're reading the Bible, um, especially going through First Peter, and as you're hearing all the talks, and as questions and thoughts arrive, arise, which is good, like, please don't be afraid to have questions. The more that you can ask questions, the more you're going to be able to learn about this spiritual magic going around. Um, but write them down, journal them down, let people in, talk to people in your room, talk to your room leader about it, talk to your team leader about it, talk to your staff about it, talk to your campus people about it. Try to be honest with yourself about the things that come up, and then also be honest with each other. Now, uh, if you're like me, um, you may be highly, the whole, like, being honest with yourself might not be the hard part. You can, I'm very highly introspective. You can tend to get stuck there. I call it paralysis by analysis. I analyze so many things, I get paralyzed, and I can't, like, make decisions. Or we call it navel gazing. I'm so stuck gazing at my navel, I can't move. And so, the aim of being honest with yourself is not that it would end there. I want you guys to look in. I want you to examine yourselves. I want you to test yourselves with other human faiths. Faith. I want you to be suspect of yourselves, but it's not to end there. It's just to get deep enough there to realize you need to look outside yourself. Think of if you ever go to the doctor. Um, usually, what sends you to the doctor is you try as many things as possible to make sure you're feeling better. And when that doesn't work, you're like, okay, I need somebody who's better at this than me, who has the ability to do something like me. That is what Jesus does. So dig in as much as you can until you, I mean, all the way to the depths and realize and realize over and over and over, I can't do this myself, I can't do this myself, I can't do this myself. I have to look outside of myself to the one who can do it for me. And then look up, look out, look up. Um, that's where you're going to So, um, as we said, as I said, to foster growth in the knowledge of Jesus and try to make the name. Um, if that is the main thing here, that I want you to grow in knowing him and hopefully thus treasure him, there is a secret path to getting him. And I will tell you the secret path on how to know him and treasure him. And it's only one way. So it's a really sweet secret path that I'm ready for. It's very sweet. <laughs> Okay? Maybe not what you're expecting, but this is the secret path to knowing Jesus in the church. And it's a really simple word, and it's extremely because our flesh and our God creates this. So I'm going to unpack this a little bit. Quickly, I'm just going to say two things about receiving. Receiving is a similar word to believing. You'll see that a lot in the Bible. And receiving is not working. So it's not what you do, it's not what you can earn, it is receiving. And that's paired with believing. Now, a lot of you in here, maybe not all of you, but I think a handful, if not most of you, will say, yes, I believe, I would say that I received Jesus. But what I really want to look at is as what? Received Jesus as what? That is what really matters. Um, John Piper has a quote. He says, to say that I received Jesus means nothing until you have answered the question as what. There are all kinds of ways to receive Jesus that have zero effect on your eternity except to make it worse. So this is significant. Not just that we would say we received him, but how we are receiving him, or as what we are receiving him, is an eternal difference. So that's why I want us to take the time to examine our hearts and ourselves and be able to be honest at how am I actually receiving Jesus. Now, there could be a long list of things to answer that, 
and everyone has different stories. So I'm just going to give a couple of options to just try to get your hearts and your brains straight. So perhaps you receive Jesus as a parent that gives you rules and guidelines, and if you do them, then you get praise, perhaps even allowance. If you don't do them, you have consequences. Um, for some of you, you have broken relationships with your parents. So, like Luke has shared, maybe if you give Jesus as a parent that's more distant and disconnected and um, is there, but not really relationally there for you. So, is Jesus like a parent to you? And maybe in that way. Or maybe you receive Jesus more like an apartment maintenance man um, who you call up to come fix the things you're unable to do on your own. But usually when a maintenance person comes over, they go and work on the room and you are not in there, you're not meeting with them until they want you to sign paper and then they leave. So there's no relationship there and you really only call them when you've gotten to the point where you realize I can't do the rest of this. So maybe you view Jesus more like the maintenance man. Or have you received Jesus more like a teacher? You love to learn what he's thinking, what he's saying. He's got a great view on things of this world. And so you enjoy reading the Bible and learning about his teachings. Um, but again, there's still not that lack of depth that you have with that relationship. And teachers have tests. So maybe there's a disappointment factor there. Of like, um, I, I need to perform well. Maybe he's like, hey, you should know this by now. That's one of my choices that I contend with. On Jesus, he's like, you can know this before. You should know this. You should still be getting involved in this category. It's not true. That's just what I've come to view him as. Um, maybe you view Jesus more or receiving him more like a friend. He says nice things to you to boost up your ego. Um, he's your yes man or yes woman. Oh, it's okay if these people are mean to you. I'm still here and I still love it's okay if you want to go and do that thing. Like, I'll support you. I'll always be here. So it frees you up to live however you want to live because you know your friend will always be there. Or even as a friend, and then um, you go to him for comfort to feel good. And then as a friend, you can kind of, like, if they, you don't want them to be mean or maybe say hard things or challenge you, so you can be there with them and you want to go back to home without your friend. So maybe you view him more as a friend. Um, the last option I have on here is maybe Jesus is more like a tool on your tool belt. Um, I'll explain this one. So specific to me, that's why I have it. But um, you want to be a moral, good, best person that you can be in this world, and religion helps with that. Or so you choose Christianity because you like what Jesus talks about, and he just gets added on to the tool belt. Um, when I I went to counseling. Um, and within our first and second year of marriage, and I was seeing this girl, Lexi, and she said, um, Ariana, it kind of seems like you have a highway where you're like, this is where I'm going with my life, and this is what I want to do with my life, and you have all these things that are helping you get there, and it seems like Jesus is just one of those things that you're adding on to get there. And you're taking when he helps, and if he's not helping, then you'll use any of the other tools you have, which are basically my own self-reliant tools to get where you can go. And that was very eye-opening for me. I was also like, mm-hmm. um, but she was right. So I maybe that's how you're taking Jesus when you see him. He's more like a tool. Like I want to be a good person, and he's going to help me be a good person. So I'll read the things that he talks about, and I'll just become as righteous as I can be in my strength, and use him wherever I'm not able to. So there, the list could be really long, um, and there could be a combo of other things I haven't even thought of. But like. Maybe he's a means to escape getting out of hell. He's just like an access point for you to try to get to hell.
You don't really care about having a funeral. Or maybe if he's a doctor, I can feel like, here's things like the nowadays, or here's things I can't do on my own, so things I can't do all the way home. Or maybe he's a genie in God, that's like, I, I will ask whatever I want, and he should give it to me, because he says ask what I want. So, we'll get to reflecting on this later, but I, I, I want, I think it's important to be mindful of in what ways are you receiving Jesus. Um, and the, the reason for that is that we would get to, uh, can we and are we receiving him for who he says he is? Not for who we say he is. Not even for who we think he or feel like he is, or what a pastor or me or anybody else would say he is, but what does he say that he is, or who does he say that he is? And are we receiving him for that? So, he has a long list in the Bible of who he says he is, and I encourage you sometime doesn't have to be done this summer, but sometime in your life to study the I am statements. I think it'd be really good to reflect on those with like, okay, this is who God says that he is. And that is the magical spiritual truth. Whether I'm believing it or I'm like the Pharisees and I'm ignoring it, this is who he says he is. So am I functionally and believing that this is who he is or am I believing something So I'm only gonna look at two quickly, and there's, it feels very much like I'm not doing him justice, but I'll give him these two. So the first one is, Jesus is the bread and water. So John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. That is magical, spiritual life that he gives to dead spiritual bodies. Um, Bread and water for our soul. So what do we know about bread and water? Um, one, we need it to live that initial life to even exist. We need to have food and drink. We could try to eat and drink. Uh, we could try to not eat and drink, and externally it will look like we're alive while we're internally dying. And after a few days, we're literally dead. So you can try to put on this Christian walk, for so long, we could be internally dying the whole time if Jesus is not the source that's giving you the bread and water, or bread and water of life. Um, the second, so, bread and water life that gives initial life, and the second thing is that bread and water gives continued life. So Jesus wakes up spiritually dead and gives life, and then we don't just stop eating him. As you continue to have him, he continues to give you life. Um, so when you're first born, there's a lot of kids and babies down here. Um, it's funny because when I wrote this point, this was before, because I had done toxin for this, I wrote a point like this before I had kids, and now I'm rereading this. Gosh, it's so true. So when, when kids are first born, they don't just eat once and then all of a sudden they're fine. They, if you've ever been around like a newborn baby, they want to eat like all the time. Like all the time. It's like every couple of hours when they eat, and they're just like crazy. Um, but it's because they can't, they need in order to grow, they need to continue to have food and drink, food and drink, food and drink, um, so that they can live and have continued life. And the same for our souls, that we don't just believe in Jesus once, we continue to need him. This is where the magical beauty of God's design. I love these things because it's, I, it's no mere coincidence. If God has made you so dependent on food and water that you need it every couple of hours to live. And the best part, that he's like, hey, you need to take something outside of you, put it inside of you, 
and magically done nothing else. You have literally just tasted beautiful food, which didn't even have to be that flipping boring food. You just put it in your mouth, and you have grown to be way bigger than you were. He has done all that. And this, I think, is just a magical window into the spiritual reality of him being like, hey, I am outside of you. You need me, which is outside of you, to come inside of you, and I will magically give you growth. And you will do nothing except receive, just like you just receive food. You just eat it. Same with Jesus. You just take him up. And he does all that for you. It's beautiful, magical stuff. Um, um, so, Jesus is the bread and water of life. Initial life, continued life, um, lots of beautiful things. The other thing that he talks about is that he is Lord. Um, some of you, great. I'm gonna, um, some of you would say, yeah, I would say Jesus is my savior, like he's given me initial life. And that is truth, massive truth to that. Um, but I want to, if it just ends there, I think we could still be at a uh, risky place. So I want to unpack the difference between seeing Jesus just as our Savior versus seeing him also as our Lord. So there's three things I'm going to look at. Um, if Jesus is just our Savior, then he did to me something. I needed help, and he came to save me. Um, but if Jesus is my Lord, then it's him something. He is Lord. He is the one that has done this. He is the one who has chosen to give me life, and it gives Him glory, not me. Please come ask me. We have a check of creed in our house, and the first one is Jesus is King. The second one is Jesus is the hero of the story. And the third one is we are recipients. Because we just want to be repeating over and over and over. The story is about how He is the hero, and I am the not even the damsel in distress. I'm like the dragon that has been trying to kill everybody else, and he came and he saved me. He's the hero, and I am the recipient. The, the other way the Savior versus Lord is that um, Jesus as my Savior is primarily personal. Like, he came and he saved me, but that doesn't have to impact anyone else around me, and it would stay true. Like, I'm so glad he saved me, and I'm going to focus on this thing in me, and I don't. It would be weird for me to talk to someone else because that's between me and Jesus. Where Jesus says, Lord is a mission. And he is Lord. So that means he ought to be Lord of all. And he is. And that means he deserves to be praised by all. And I want everyone to know well, there is a Lord out here that you're missing. You see the difference there? He's just me saved versus possessing the Um, And the last one I have is that it's spiritual versus holistic. So Jesus saved me, but it's just that. Then it's just spiritual aspects of life. Like, okay, well, I, I'll go to church and I'll read my Bible, and that's my spiritual part of being saved. But if he's also my Lord, then it's holistic. Like, he is Lord, and everything he says is of great value and truth. And I will take it, and even if I don't understand it, and I want it to impact every part of my life. What I eat, what I drink, what I wear, the time I go to bed, what I teach my kids, who I interact with, when I'm tired and I still interact with my neighbors, when I, what I watch, what I listen to, um, the things I talk about, places I live, how much money I spend on things, like everything. If he is the Lord, if he rules over all those things, then I want to give all of that to him. So the beautiful thing about him being Lord is that all decisions are his, 
and he does what he desires, and anyone who chose to save us. So that's the order that I think makes him being our Savior way more beautiful. As Lord of all things, he said, I want you. I want to give my life for you. So Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. I'm going to look at one passage just to help you see someone in the Bible who interacted with him that way. Matthew 8, 1 through 3 says, When he came down from the mountain, Jesus, um, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, because he knows he's coming, because he knows he's Lord, but if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You see the way that the leper viewed Jesus there? He said, You are Lord. And if you will, you can make me clean. So he became his Lord and his Savior. And I want that for you guys to see the pairing there of how much more valuable it is that he saved us because he is our Lord. He's able, he can do what he wants, and he chooses in that to come and save dragons, sheep, all whatever we are. Um, so as you guys reflect on how or what you receive Jesus as, um, I also want you to reflect on whether or not you can receive him for who he says he is, the bread of life, the continued bread of life, your Lord and your Savior. And to not be afraid to be honest, we're going to take like 10 to 15 minutes um, for you to have personal reflection time. And I want you to be as suspect and as examining and as honest as you can be with yourself. And we'll put questions up there for you to go through. And not be afraid to be honest there because he's Lord, so he knows everything, and he's already offered himself in his worship as your Savior. And there is a beautiful magic going around in this that I want you to be aware of. So I'll read the questions to you guys, and then I'll pray, and I'll give you 10 15 minutes. Um, first question is Where are you spiritually coming in at? So that's Wide open. You can answer that however you want. You can put it on the spectrum I talked about. You can just say, you know, I've been really distant from the Lord, or I had a great time reading my Bible and I'm really close to Him before the project, or fill in however you want. It's open ended. Where do you feel like you're spiritually coming from? Um, second question is, how have you been receiving Jesus, or as what? So the list that I have of friends, parent, teacher, and you can take that in other categories if you didn't like mine. That's fine. Um, and then, have you ever received Jesus for, or as he says that he is, Lord and Savior? Or what part of those two do you feel like you're having a hard time believing or receiving? Um, I'll pray for you and then God, thank you um, that you are our Lord. And I know that I, and I can imagine most of the people really, can doubt that day in and day out and constantly choose other things. And honestly, most of all, I want to be my own Lord. I want to be the one to decide what I want in my life almost every decision. And I'm thankful, so, so thankful that you choosing to save me is not based off of me showing that I deserve it or that I can earn it because you would never know that. So I'm thankful that you love broken, needy people because it's the greatest thing for our joy and it is the greatest glory for you. What God will love such 
need to be filled with the help of Christ. So I thank you that you just stands in place. And you love us because you're perfectly pleased. Um, I pray that you help us to be honest with ourselves, help us to be honest with each other, help us to be honest with you. Um, and I pray that you would be denied that they wouldn't come year after year after year for a long, long time. All given life to all hearts and continued life to living hearts and um, continued magic of bringing us and making us more like you. Pray that you continue so that we get the Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.